The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello everybody again, welcome back to New York Talk, uh, New York Talk, the Rotherham United podcast. We have a very special episode of first for the podcast. We have a current Rotherham United manager joining us today, Matt Taylor. How are you doing, Matt? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very, very good. Thank you very much. Um, I'll introduce everybody else so everybody knows the voices they are hearing. Mick's back with us. How are you doing, Mick? All good, mate. Thank you. Best behaviour today, please, Michael. I'll do my best. Uh, <laughs> uh, Danny's back with us. How are you doing, Danny? I'm going good, thank you. How's everybody? Very good, mate. Thank you very much. And Tom, 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 having a good day today, aren't you, Tom? Absolutely. Finishing finishing uni has never felt so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, I'm submitted. (laughs) Uh, We have to start with this, Matt. Uh, We've talked briefly off the air then. How has your summer been so far? Obviously, not in summer technically, but post season, how's that been? Enjoying your time off? Yeah, very enjoyable. Sounds strange to say when you're in a relegation battle, but on the back of a, a what we class as a successful season, um, it makes this time off a lot more enjoyable, less pressured. Um, still a lot of work to do, um, but you can certainly look back on what was achieved last season um, with a clear understanding of what's needed for, for next season. Um, and it puts you on a, a good stead for what's next. A um, bit of time away with a, the family, a um, couple of days away with, with some some mates, which was messy, um, as it needed to be. Um, I might squeeze in one more holiday before my time's up, um, but it's very much back to work. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Let's get the transfer questions out of there. I know you can't tell us very much. People are, sort of, I suppose, interested in sort of how it works, I suppose, a little bit. Um, one of the questions we always get asked as a podcast, we never can ever answer this, but how easy or difficult is it to look outside of England at transfers? Because we, we get some, Camonfries came from Belgium and there's, there's a few other ones. How easy or difficult is that? Well, it, it, it's not easy by any means, but we've got a fantastic recruitment team uh, headed up by Rob Scott um, and he's got three members of staff working below him or alongside him. Um, so that has certainly grown probably from the years gone by, um, mm. but we've still not got the resources to scan every player in every league in Europe, let alone worldwide. Um, so it is difficult. And then we have to put into the equation what level they're playing over in yeah. Europe. Um, and we, we, we firmly believe that the Championship is such a intense league, such a demanding league, um, that there's got to be some relevance to ourselves. And unfortunately, usually um, players across the borders um, require a fee. 
um, and that then puts added pressure on getting it right. So there's more risk related in signing players from overseas. Not to say it's not achievable and it's not to say it's not something we're, we're looking into. Um, Rob and his team has actually spent time in Belgium and Holland in the last couple of months. Um, so we are looking, um, but we also have to be realistic in terms of what we can achieve um, and how we can bring these players over into the UK and put them into one of the most demanding leagues in the world. Yeah. Do you enjoy this transfer nonsense, as we often call it, the way we get rumours every two minutes on Twitter? Um, as fans, it's quite exciting because we could sign anybody who knows who can come. As you doing the sort of hard work, do you enjoy this time of the season where you're trying to get people in? Yeah, it's a, a different type of enjoyment to the pressure of games. Um, I, I love building a squad. Um, I love putting a, a group of players together who I can see fitting and working and, and, and somehow finding the balance to play between themselves. Um, not to, to date, I've always been at a, a club who were probably lower down the pecking order when it comes mm. down to recruitment. Um, <laughs> it was difficult at Exeter because of the budget and obviously location. Um, I'm not too dissimilar to, to where we are at Rotherham. So you're working within a certain means, um, but then it means it's it's more a sweeter or uh, a better recognition when you do achieve what you're, you're looking to do. Um, and the challenges are there for, for every manager across the board. And not to say the most money in the world means you get it right all the time. Um, but we have to understand what sort of players we want to bring to this football club and um, what sort of players we want to represent ourselves. Um, you know, I'm in a privileged position when I stand on that touchline, um, but anything that happens on the pitch and you and the guys know as fans is a reflection or seen as a reflection of myself, um, whether I'm on the pitch or not. Um, so it's, it's so, so important that we get the right bodies in. Physically, mentally, they've got to be good characters first and foremost. Um, we, we, we understand what Rotherham is, is about as a football club and as a town. You know, a real substance first. And then we want to add a little bit of style and, and creation on top of that. Um, but we learned a lot, an awful lot in those eight months. I think the club learned an awful lot over the course of last season. Um, mm. We probably learned from the not the mistakes, but the experiences of the past of, of promotion and relegation. Um, three times on, on the trot in relation to that. Um, so it's it's moving parts constantly. Um, but I, unfortunately, aren't allowed to get it as high and as low as you guys. So when the rumours <laughs> come that we're signing Messi, Ronaldo, um, Vidic, Ferdinand, then I don't I don't see those rumours um, and I don't oh. let myself get carried away. Um, but one day, um, we might be in a position to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's blown my new Twitter account out at water then. <laughs> 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 yeah. can, can I just uh, yeah. with a question? Yeah, um, so how how like how have you been settling in making the move from Exeter to Rotherham in terms of managing the clubs, but also effectively moving from one end of the country from the other? Like, how's the settling in process gone? Okay, it's different for for me. It's different for my wife, and it's different for the staff who came with me. And mm. it would have been different for the players who who experienced it, who were already here playing for Rotherham. Um, I was probably in the luckiest position because the transition one was from one helter-skelter job to another one. Um, that's management. Um, that is uh, the drug that I need to keep on functioning. Um, so I was probably lucky that I was straight away distracted, um, fully focused on what was needed to get a functioning team out at the weekend or on a Tuesday night. Um, whereas... Probably my wife have to pick up the pieces of finding somewhere to live. Um, I always tell the story we're in a, a hotel for the first week, which is absolutely fine if you're on your own. But when you've got your wife, your, your six-week-old baby at a time, and our, our dog, who's a, an old English bulldog, so not a small dog, um, <laughs> we, we certainly didn't get much sleep in that, that first week. And then we went into an Airbnb just outside Huddersfield. 
And then we quickly found a place um, just outside Penistone, um, a fantastic place to live, but a little bit out in the sticks, which is perfect for me. But then my wife wants to get closer to society again. So um, it's been different for everyone. Um, the, the best um, reflection I can give on people involved in a football club is how welcoming they've been. And fans, players, um, staff especially, um, made the transition a lot easier than what I expected. Um, and no manager wants to move during the season. Um, mm. The perfect time to move is right now um, when you've got time to build a squad, time to work with him in pre-season, try to find out the details of what's needed to, to be successful. Um, whereas I think I joined on the, the Monday, Tuesday, and we were playing Millwall on the Wednesday. Um, <laughs> so it was important we didn't try and change too much too soon. Um, it was in amongst an incredible run of fixtures, which was relentless in terms of the demands it put on the physicality of our group. And I just saw us constantly weaken as time went on in relation to that. Um, so a real learning curve in terms of settling in, but making the transition, I've not even had time to think about it. Um, and I probably never will um, until I get sacked or leave management, a management post for a period of time where I can really switch off uh, long enough to digest what's happened. I'll probably never fully comprehend it and think about it. And I probably don't need to, um, but one day I will. <laughs> Um, on moving jobs, this is, I'm interested to know how it works. And, you know, because football fans, we get, you know, we get told nothing, which is understandable. Um, when you're in a job, is it a club comes in and say, we're interested, can we have a chat? Or do you apply for it? Does your agent do it? How does it sort of work changing jobs in football? Yeah. Um, strange course of events. I mean, it's, it's happened a couple of times over the course of my short managerial career, I suppose. Um, usually it comes via agent. Um, usually, the club who is attracted to you in some way will contact your agent and say, would he be interested in a conversation? At which case the agent speaks to the manager and says, are you interested? And if you say yes, then you make sure it goes through the right protocols that then the clubs speak to each other and they get permission to speak to the potential manager. And then, you know, speaking to is basically an interview process, which can take one minute, it can take a month. It all depends on, on what that club requires. I must admit the fact that it was the season had started. I think the interview process for Rotherham was was quicker um, mm. and, and more straightforward than expected. I'm not going to sit here and say I was probably first on the list um, of who they wanted. I'm, I'm pretty sure a couple of people turned down the job before myself. Um, but I was comfortable with that. Um, mm. I knew that if I came into the role and got the opportunity, I, I feel I could make something good out of that situation. Is that backing yourself in? That's a lot. Of, it seems a lot of sport, really. You've got to back yourself and back your ability as as what as at what you do. Yeah, hundred um, percent in life, but even more so in, in sport. You've got to back yourself. Um, football's a game of opinions, and you've got to be so you know strong in terms of your mindset, in terms of what you think you can achieve. And anyone who ever watched me play football knows I was not a skillful player in any way. And probably my biggest strength was my mindset. Um, and that's something I've tried to take into coaching and then management. And you have to take the opportunities when they come. Um, and I left a, a fantastic club in a fantastic position. Um, and that was difficult to do. But the moment I walked out the door at Exeter, I've not looked back one little bit. Um, I've made sure that was one part of my career, one part of my life, which is behind me. I'm really grateful for the opportunity I got there. But it's very much on to the next. Um, I've been fully focused on Rotherham ever since um, and enjoying it. Mm. Interesting that you used to talk about when you when you were playing, you maybe the ability wasn't there. That seems my personal thing in football. Our previous manager, Paul Warren, wasn't the greatest player in the world, but he gave everything else. He had the other side of his game, and it's it's you don't often see the best players going to be the best manager. Pep Guardiola's obviously been a bit of a, a bit different. 
Um, but the it's best players in the you know, Championship League One don't always make the best managers. It doesn't quite work out for them. Just <clears> no, and I think it helps me. Um, I don't know if it helps Paul previously. Um, <laughs> I wish I had the talent some of our players had. Um, and I wish I had the talent of some of the players we play against. It's, yeah. it's incredible to witness. Um, but I was never good enough. But I, I was comfortable at being the best version of myself. And that got me to where I was in, in lower league football. I had a, a little glimpse of playing in the championship, but was nowhere near at the level. Um, but that was fine because I felt I maxed myself out. Now, some of our players, um, I feel they can still got more to give in terms of their maximum. Um, they don't even know it yet. And... Certainly today, in terms of coaching young men um, and the way society is at the moment, um, the the demands to really push yourself aren't quite there. Um, for mm. some, whatever reason, we're producing good young players, but the one thing a lot of them are lacking are the mentality, um, which is why I think a lot of good coaches are the ones who probably had the mentality <laughs> without the skill, <laughs> as opposed to maybe at the top, top mm. level, they had the skill and the mentality. Um, that's what sets us apart. Um you know, Guardiola will have had the whole lot. And, and there's examples at the top level of the ones who've had the whole lot. There's example mm. at the top levels who've, who've never kicked a ball and couldn't kick a ball. Um, mm. So mm. it's all about what works for yourself. Um, but I certainly feel it's given me a, a slight advantage to understand how I got the best out of myself and the, probably the best out of others around me at the time. Mm. You've, I mean, you've, you've only got to look at Mourinho, you know, as a coach, phenomenal as a player. Yeah. I think Bang Average is probably doing him a bit of a... You know, in a bit time for him. Um, yeah. as a coach, just you know, absolutely phenomenal. And, and I think you're right. I think it, there's a culture nowadays of an unwillingness to 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 work hard for what you want. You know, it's without wanting to sound like an old man, which I am. <laughs> but, but a lot of people just there's there's that sense of entitlement, I think. And and if you've got the ability. It's not still not going to fall in your lap. You've got to work for it. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and that word entitlement. These kids weren't born entitled. They were just no. given something too soon before they'd, mm. they'd earned it. And unfortunately, in football, with the finances involved, even as a good young player, that if you're getting paid X amount a week at, at 16, yeah. 17, 18 years old, then you probably do feel you're not you're not cracked it fully. But you don't need to work as hard. Um, which is why you know there's so much to admire about lower league football, but ultimately the level we're at now, we need a certain quality of player to to, to survive at that level and, and to certainly to thrive at this level. So it's it's incredible to, to to watch it, and you almost want to get all of a few of them in, just shake them and say, "Come on, you got to get hold of yourself," because it, it, this career is gone in a flash and it is gone straight away. And if you're a good twenty year old then you're probably two years too old. You've got to be a good 18-year-old now. And even the 18-year-olds have got a 16-year-old over the shoulder coming through. So, you know, you've got to take that moment when it comes. And I don't know why that is, because we can't alter what gets paid to players, you know, at a young mm. age. We can't. Um, they go somewhere else if that happens. Um, yeah. But what we can alter is that when we get them understanding that we coach mindset and mentality as much as we do actual football skill. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that brings us to us. Well, let's talk about Rotherham's academy a little bit. Uh, what, how, what were your thoughts when you came in? Was Ben Wiles came through that academy and is, is a star? Josh Code is uh, not the season he would have wanted, but he's a football league player and will be a football league player for years and years to come. And we've signed several four or five players from the youth. You set up this year on professional terms. That's it. Seems like it's growing. Certainly from the outside, it feels like it's growing. Yeah, I think we have to grow it. Um, I think we have to be realistic that to you know become a, a sustainable club financially for longer. We have to generate our own income from the squad. Um, 
And that probably comes from good young players doing well at championship level and getting sold for substantial fees. So we need to get the balance right of a, a squad where those young players can function and have the chance and opportunity to function alongside the, the more senior ones who know what it takes at championship level. And they'll do that at a quicker rate and a faster rate if they can do that alongside those types of players. We, we had to do it at Exeter because that was our in our DNA. And we yeah. had to do that to survive. But once we started to do it and gain success with it, then it just continues to spiral. And then everyone else wants to copy it and wants to find out the, the magic formula. There's no magic formula. You've just got to get the balance of giving young players an opportunity, but then getting the right people around them um, and then managing those situations as well as you possibly can and understanding when it's the time for a player to, to move on. And you, you shake hands and you say, you go and be a success at the top of the championship or Premier League level and we get a financial return, and that goes back into the infrastructure of the football club, including the budget. And so we've mm. got to try and put a, not a bigger emphasis, because there's been a big emphasis already on the academy, but pay a bit more attention to it and have a bit more of a, a forward-thinking plan in terms of the future. And you've seen that with the contracts we've already offered out, um, even at times this season, probably due to the injuries we had and the numbers we had available. There were some young players on the bench at, at different times. I didn't even know who they were, let alone you guys. So um, it's probably one of them in terms of a learning curve for me is it, as much as it is for you. Um, but fantastic to see. And then that inspires a few more to maybe sign for Rotherham as opposed to Chef United or Chef Wednesday. You know, the catchment area is what it is. There's a lot of competition. And people forget that Exeter was in the middle of nowhere. So if you mm. didn't play for Exeter, you probably didn't play for anyone else. And we took advantage of, at the time, Torquay didn't have an academy. Yeovil didn't have an academy. Plymouth was in sort of drifting through their academy processing. They've nailed it now. And then mm. the, the next business clubs were Bristol-based. So we were in a good catchment area because there was no one else around us. Whereas now we're you know, back up in the north of England, where I've always wanted to be. There's a lot more football clubs. Yeah, yeah, throw yeah. all of it, shall Yeah, just look at the um, away days for next season. Oof. Yeah. Um, a few questions, fan questions. Uh, Hancock on Twitter, Estonian friend, says, "Did you have a team you supported or do support uh, outside yeah. of career?" Yeah, look, Manchester United fan. Um, always have been, always will be. Uh, Mum still goes every week. She's got two season tickets, so that was a good upbringing. Um, you know, I wasn't born and bred in Manchester, just outside, just outside Wigan. Um, but she was, and she took us to United. My dad's a Blackburn fan. Um, and I always followed him. I, I was lucky to go to quite a few games in the 90s um, as a young lad and a, a teenager, watching the, 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 you know, the, the youth come through at that time under Ferguson. And obviously, the, the 99 season sticks out in the, the memory. Um, been to a couple of games this season. And you try and get to so many live games more your league related and relevant to you but I can almost class it as a scouting mission when I go and watch the <laughs> United of the world um, but just good, good to be closer to it and um, because mm. the period I was down in Exeter and the period I played you could only you know get to games very rarely and um, so something I, I enjoy and I'm looking forward to do more of. Is that the uh, is that the ideal cup tie then? <laughs> yeah well it is yeah United yeah. away um, or United at home um, yeah. it's, it's, it'd be a, a fantastic um, occasion opportunity um, I never got the chance to play against them as a player um, missed them a few times as a coach and um, you always want a, a big tie and if there's some sort of connection there, especially that'd be fantastic for my mum she's supported them a diehard red all her life so um, that would be my dream tie um, I'm sure everyone's different in terms of what they'd, they'd dream about and I'm, Robin, I've had some fantastic games in the past but hopefully we can get to that stage in the future you never know they, they might get relegated one day or we might get promoted and we'll be in the same league 
Yeah. You were so close to that this season as well, weren't you? Third round, yeah. So close. Mm, yeah. She had a hand on the ball and then yeah. dropped it. <laughs> Who was it? Was it Alex Savage? Scott? Was it Alex was Scott? It? I can't remember now. Oh, okay. Um, they did yeah, draw Everton or something, didn't they? Or something. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, I wasn't watching it, but I was getting these messages and everyone was saying so close. Um, in yeah. fairness, we might have had a better performance against United than Ipswich. <laughs> 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 yeah, let's gloss over that. Let's forget about yeah. that. <laughs> if you look at Robin's history, we don't do the third round FA Cup. We haven't won in about 25 years in third round. It's just yeah. us in that round don't work. I don't know why. <laughs> one day. One day we might get there. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, another qu fan question from Moz Miller on Twitter. He wants to know about your pre-match rituals and routines. Um, look, it, you, you, I speak to the players at half one. Um, so a, a, a brief chat about the expectations of the game. Uh, most work is done in the week on the training pitch and in, in the meetings we have there. So the players understand when they, they, they turn up for the games. Um, come half one, they just switch themselves on. A few gentle reminders and try and fine-tune some last aspects and encourage them get them to play free. Um, and then I try and leave them to it as much as they can. We get the team sheets about quarter to two. I put the team up on the board. I, I talk through the, the, the opposition team with some of the senior lads um, it's, it's incredible because sometimes you can write a team up with the expected formation, expected personnel in certain positions, and you're totally wrong. Um, so we don't overemphasize it, and we try and get the balance right in relation to that. And then it's a player's time till they go out at about 20 past two. Um, at that point, I go and sit on the toilet for, for 10 minutes, read the program, <laughs> um, try and relax a little bit. I pop my head out the tunnel to, to watch the, the, the warm up just to cast my over our team and the opposition team, make sure everyone's moving okay. And then there's a there's probably a 10-minute period where I'm on my own in the change room. Um, I usually find one of the... so many There's so many balls in the change room, and, and I don't mean footballs. Um, there's so many, like, medical balls, um, squash balls, tennis balls, golf balls. So I just chuck it against the wall and bounce it around and play a bit of catch. And it's always the goalkeepers that come in early, um, Victor or, 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 or Josh. Whoever it is who's playing in nets come in about you know five or ten minutes before the outfield players. So at that point, I just make sure everyone's okay. Um, that they they're, they're quite a good group in terms of getting themselves going. And I asked I asked our coaches was the warm up good? Are they looking bright? And you know sometimes they say they need a live, and sometimes they say yeah they were bright and on it. And in all honesty, not much can prepare them any more so than they're already prepared for the game. Um, and at that point, yeah, you go back in and. Get yourself ready to walk out and, and to support the team. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I listened to the extra podcast with my, the My New Football Team podcast, which, which was brilliant. That was so good. Yeah. Uh, and I brought up, I mentioned, talked about on the podcast that you don't, about half one where you don't speak to the players. And nobody believed me. <laughs> nobody believed me. Yeah. And I thank you for everybody who's listening. This is, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> But everyone's different. Everyone's different. Yeah, and I know. I know some mm. managers would speak to the players at five to three. Um, mm. the, the messages have to be constant, and we try and get the, the, the majority of it throughout the week. Um, but even you know, there's examples throughout this season where things happen in the warm up. Um, things happen for your own team. Mm. Things happen for the opposition. Um, you know, Johnny Housen got injured um, before the Middlesbrough game. He was playing centre half, and McNair came in. Um, so we we, we 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 sort of targeted certain positions of their back line to almost deliver on, if that makes sense, or Jordan Hugel mm. to stand on. So, you know, you have to be open to changes later on. Um, and sometimes I've had it in my career where players have dropped out the warm-up and they're not fully fit and, and we have to adjust it as well. So just making sure you're prepared for what's next. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, from Will Hopkinson, I think it was on Twitter as well. Is there a manager or leader or you know, leader outside football that you sort of look up to and aspire to? Like, well, there's, there's, there's a lot. Um, I suppose the biggest influences were are my parents um, mm. for what they've done in terms of my upbringing and the guidance and the encouragement as well. Um, I think my mentality is very much family based. Um, you know, even my both sets of parents, their parents and their families, um, the toughness we have in us uh, comes from them. Um, mm. You know, my granddad was a professional footballer, footballer, and my uncle played professional at a certain level. My brother got an opportunity before an injury. Um, my dad thought he could and wished he could, but couldn't. Um, <laughs> but probably spoke like he could. Um, and my mum, it's been in a you know DNA in her system all her life. So they played a big part in that. So I don't look too far beyond them if I need you know, a bit of advice. Um, but what, you know, you come across people in the football world, um, mm. people you trust, people you admire. Um, I've been lucky enough to be on the touchline alongside them or against them at times this season. Um, but in terms of what you believe in yourself, like we spoke about earlier, you've got to just back yourself. And, mm. you know, I can't be Jurgen Klopp. I can't be Guardiola. As much as I wish I was, I'm the Fergusons <laughs> and the other, the ones which are on the the tip of the tongue for everyone who wants to be a manager. I've just got to be my best version of myself. And, you know, then you surround yourself with good people. And in Wayne Carlisle and the, the group of staff we've got, um, they give me as good advice as anyone else. Um, so it's, it's, it's always an interesting question to try and answer with a, you know, everyone wants me to say Klopp or Gwali or, you know, something like that. Um, one thing I will say, there's, there's so many managers I admire because, you know, I, I suppose I've got a feeling of what they go through on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, I suppose what Pep goes through, what I go through, is completely different to what you have to go through in terms of players and standards and everything else. It's just almost a different sport at that level, almost. Yeah, it is, it is. And he's, he's, he's working with a good set of players. Um, yeah. I, I love the players we've got at Rotherham. Um, we're, we're a certain level of player, so... Mm. You know, you, you, you admire what they're doing, but then the pressures are different. Um, yeah. Understanding what you are and understanding what, what the club is you work for is the most important thing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to a silly question. I, I'm going to edit this out if you haven't got this. I, I put in the questions, do you have a magic trick? Probably very limited in terms of magic. I mean, I made a <laughs> bottle of um, rosé discipline in about five minutes last <laughs> weekend at a pool party. Um, we can all do that. So it's, um, I was sick immediately afterwards, mind you. Uh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> probably limited in terms of magic tricks. Um, like I say, I, I wasn't skillful in football and probably not particularly skillful in many parts of life. So um, not a little bit limited in relation to that. I wish I, wish I had more. <laughs> uh, it's disappointing. Woody came on and gave us a card trick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it did. It was that question that Matt asked, and all that. Yeah, I could do a magic trick, and he did. Yeah. He must have been practicing that. I bet when that song first came out, yeah. or that, that title, yeah. he would have been practicing knowing what it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, another daft question: Have you ever been mistaken for another Matt Taylor? Very much. I think there's three or four in English football. Yeah. Has anybody ever mistaken you for a different one of the other ones? All the time. <laughs> you find out who, which ones are the agents who don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah. You know, when when Matt Taylor got a job at Walsall, um, I got congratulated several times on my phone uh, and anything on the next window. So I had to politely tell him what was happening. Um, I think there's a Matt Taylor 
footballer at Oxford or I don't know where he's been on loan yeah. this season. There's definitely a weatherman. Um, yes. so there's, there's, there's various Matt Taylors um, who I constantly get mistaken for. Um, so I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, but the Matt Taylor, obviously, who had a fantastic playing career, um, played in the Premier League. I think he got goal of the season, about three seasons on the bounce. Um, so yeah. if anyone's ever really drunk and they say, what's your name? I say Matt Taylor. And they're like, oh, the footballer. I was like, yeah. yeah. They say, oh, you used to score them goals. I, I just yeah. agree with it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a free left drink left, left screamers from the halfway line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going back to when you first joined the club, I'm interested to know how difficult it was because when you came, you only brought Wayne with you, only Wayne Carlisle with you. Uh, obviously, brought the, the you walking coach and Wayne, Wayne, Wayne with you later on. How difficult was that to first of all join without them, and then the period up until them joining? I know Billy Mills was helping out with the keepers, but how difficult was that not having all of your staff? Yeah, it was tough, but we had to get on with it. I can't speak high enough of, of Billy Mercer. Um, he was the goalkeeper coach, but he was like another coach. I don't feel coach as well and so much advice. And he'd, he'd been at the club for only the week previously. Um, so he, he was still new to it as well. Um, mm. But he really helped us through that period. But we were one set of hands and another coach short at the time. So we went through a, a period of time where the, the work me and Wayne were doing were almost for the, the three coaches as opposed to two. Um, but like I say, Billy was outstanding and the rest of the, the, the group rallied around. Um, I suppose it might have made it easier that the, we had so many fixtures. Um, <laughs> yeah. We weren't able to train too much. Um, mm. It was rest, recover, repeat. Um, and that was the process for a longer period of time. And then we can start to, to get the bodies in who you, you wanted to recruit. And it's still something which we might not have got right straight away, but we're still working towards in terms of staffing, restructuring at the club, which we're doing at present. Mm. And what's it like following somebody like, somebody who's been there for a long time, Paul, and was here six years, and XT followed Paul Tizzo, I think, right, and so there forever as well. Is it, you've only done, I suppose, those are the two people you follow, that's how you do it, I suppose. But is it is it easy or, or difficult? I don't know. No, I, I, look... You never know if it's easier or harder. Um, one thing I, I would say if someone's been there 12 years in, in Paul Tisdale's case and then I think six years in Paul Warren's case, um, generally that ship is running pretty well. Um, yeah. Otherwise, they'd have been sacked earlier. So <laughs> you, you don't have to look to change too much. So that's one of the benefits of going in there. Um, one big aspect is the, the change which scares people. Um, and that's incredible. It scares the players more than anyone. Um, mm. When they've been with someone and trusted someone for so, so long, you've got to earn their trust in a short space of time. Um, and that's not an easy thing to do when you've got to pick 11 team, uh, eleven players for your first game. Because the moment you do that, there's a, probably another level 11 thinking, he doesn't like me, he doesn't rate me. Um, and they're saying for the next game, the next game. And that's not the case in any way, but I've, I've been there as a player and that's the way you feel. Um, mm. So straight away trying to keep everyone level and just understanding that you know no one likes change, even more so in football. Um, we're a certain type of people or person um, who, who likes the same routines and certainly not in the middle of a season or at the start of a season when the league campaign is is fully functioning. Um, so that's something I've learned twice. Um, I've still not mastered in any way, um, but I think the experience of what I did um, taking over from Paul Tisdale after 12 years gave me a bit of confidence to do it and to take over from Paul Warren. Um, but it's all about the opportunity. Um, if someone had been there for six weeks previously or, or 60 mm. years previously, the opportunity to manage a championship level at Rotherham United was still one I wouldn't have been able to turn down. Then mm. I'm asking, what what is it then? Why why why? Because like, I'm sure you've had other opportunities in the in the years you've been at Exeter to, to maybe, maybe even try something else. Why what what I tried what I tried to write Rotherham was it the championship? What what was it that brought, brought you here? 
as simple as that. Um, my first opportunity at championship level, um, mm. conversations and discussions, never to the point where I've been offered a, a job to, to mm. manage at championship level. Um, what I, was I able to take Exeter into the championship? Possibly, um, but that would have been a longer time frame. And I'm mm. ambitious. I know I'm young, but I'm ambitious in terms of how quickly I want to get to the higher levels of, of English football. Um, and also what we spoke about previously, Paul Warner had been there for a, a longer period of time. So there was a trust aspect that I'd be given a bit of time or hopefully given a bit of time, um, not just by the chairman, but by maybe some fans as well. Um, and, and then the belief, like we spoke about that, I should I, I, I back myself um, and to make it work. And, you know, I, I, I don't fear losing. I, I, the only thing I fear is failure. Um, mm. And you might say they're the same thing, but they're not because you can get beaten in football all the time. But failure for me is not getting the best out of myself and those around me. So um, it, it's been an incredible experience. And who knows what my next step in terms of management will look like. I could get sacked and, and go back down the lower leagues or you know, I'm getting an opportunity at a higher level. Who knows mm. what that looks like? But I've had a couple of fantastic experiences already, um, which weren't easy in any way. And a lot of people probably were a little bit daunted or put off by the opportunity. Um, but it was one where regardless of that, I was looking forward to so is is it all that you know it was hyped up to be then you know the championship is quote unquote the best league in the world um full of quality players but it, it, in everything it's you know it's chaotic it's any team can win i mean you saw Huddersfield in the playoffs last season Barnsley the season before now in um league 1 is it that bigger step up from league 1 or um you know is it everything that all the fans dream of it to be so it's i i i've been worked in it now i think it's a bigger step up from League One than anyone mm. imagines. Um, mm. Having worked at, at League Two and League One, um, it, it's certainly a big step up at the moment. Almost the gulf is even bigger from Championship than down to, to League One. Um, mm. League One almost down to National League. You could almost jump through those leagues with a, a realistic opportunity of doing so. Mm. The Championship is another level. The demands are incredible. Um, yeah. Not just in terms of you know the, the schedule, but the opposition. Um, it's 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 a it's a, it's a frightening league, but the best league. Um, yeah. And one yeah. where, you know, this club have fought tooth and nail to get there on numerous occasions and to then to stay in it. Um, so it's, it has been what I expected and more. Um, it's almost like the, the, the best league you've ever worked in on drugs. Um, <laughs> and that might be different for other managers because their mm. squads might be better equipped to deal with it. Um, mm. But you must have felt that this season, looking at the team sheet, or looking at the press conference before a team sheet on a Thursday, oh, so-and-so's not available, so-and-so's a question mark. Mm. I don't think I picked the same team at any stage throughout <laughs> the course of the season. And, and I'm not the tinker man. I've been talking about that by any means. I want a settled team. Um, we just weren't able to do that at any stage. And that's yeah. what the league did to that squad of players. Um, mm. And like I've always said, now it's given us a little bit of time to, to improve that squad, to make it more durable for, for next season. And maybe... Last season was a little bit of a one-off with the World Cup break where games were crammed in yeah. at the start and then certainly in the middle as well with that four-week break. Um, but mm. there's still three or four international breaks throughout the, the period of Championship football. So uh, it's incredible when you look at it from the outside mm. um, and then you're actually in it and it just hits you like a, like a steam train. And if you're not physically and mentally up for the challenge, um, it'll just roll you over. Um, but we've mm. done... We've done pretty well so far, um, yeah. and now it's what's next. 
Did, did anyone say on Twitter earlier about um, someone's actually worked out how many different combinations we had at the back? There was some, there was something like 30 different combinations between your back and back. Well, it's, well, it's, well. It, like it doesn't surprise me. And that's yeah. kind of where a lot of a lot of the problems, the injuries were. Um, mm. and, and not only the injuries, we had players within the, the, the back group or defenders who struggled to play three games a week um, mm. through their age and their, you know, just what they'd done previously in their career. So it mm. was no one's fault going into it, um, but that was just heightened and a bit of luck goes against you. Um, you want a settled, settled back line. I was a setter half by trade. Um, you want to understand those partnerships. I mean, our one constant really this season was Victor, bar a couple of games. And then as the season went on in that back line, Cam Humphreys became our constant. And in terms of performers this season, you don't look far past them in terms of our, our biggest contributors. So, But we're certainly trying to attract players who can play more than the game, the amount of games that has happened this season. Um, mm-hmm. And that really did hamper us. But our defensive record was still OK. Um, <laughs> yeah. It could have been better. It could have been worse. It was, it was actually a, quite a big strength of ours that no matter who we put out there, Defensively, we were quite strong. Yeah. Well, Cam Humphreys must have been worried to death because that that central half position were a poison chalice at one point, weren't it? You know, you have you have somebody next to him one week and then they they drop down injured within twenty <laughs> minutes, you know, and the next one comes in injured. Yeah. You must have thought that train's coming for me sooner or later. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we we spoke about young players earlier on, and, and Cam isn't a kid in any way, but. Maybe this season has put him in more in terms of a senior position. Um, mm-hmm. I'm certainly in a position as manager where he's more of a, a trusted player. I trust his body. I trust his game. Um, he's mm-hmm. someone we want to build the team around and, and certainly with him on the pitch. Now, would he have got that opportunity or that exposure if they wouldn't have been fit throughout the season? Um, mm-hmm. He might have been a bit part player finding his feet back in the Championship. All of a sudden, you saw with his certainly second half of the season performances, he went from strength to strength. Um, but yeah. sometimes when you've got no other option, <laughs> you've got to do that just to survive. Um, mm. And then all of a sudden, we've probably got an asset in Cam Humphries who we might you know, develop a team around or we might sell at some stage. He was outstanding for us. Yeah, Very, very unlucky Cam Humphries not to win player of the season if it not been for Victor. For me, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, I, I, I hang on about him every week. I, I love he does him. He's got, Mick's yeah. got a thing about Cam Humphries. I'm Cam's biggest fan. Um, but he's another one who I want to shake um, because I think there's more. Um, honestly, I do. Um, yeah. I want to hug him while shaking him. Um, yeah. That's how much I love him. But I, I, I still think there's more. And look, he came up at City. So not to say you know he, yeah. he got paid too much too soon. And he made a really brave decision to go out to Belgium. Um, not mm. many young English players do that. And... He did that. He got the game time and he's come back to England. I, you know, he deserves all the success and recognition he's getting. Um, hopefully that continues with ourselves. But I still think there's more. Um, he, he's got a score from set pieces. We've got to be saying you're going up for corners because you, you're a threat in the opposition box. Um, mm. He's got great legs, so he never gets run. And he can play. He can handle the ball. Um, yeah. the, the, when he's got to add the, the, the seniority of a personality on top of that, where he now becomes the organiser and the orchestrator at the back um, to demand more from himself and the rest of the team. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, 
so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mm. Just, yeah, yeah. just a point on the injuries, Matt. Um, if you don't want to disclose it, it's fine. But uh, you've, you've had renovations on the training pitches and obviously everyone loves a conspiracy theory and whatnot. <laughs> but, um, you know, is, the, is that because... Um, you, you believe that they've played a part in perhaps the injuries or, you know, a, a different aspect maybe, but, you know... Just no, no, it's, it's, it's true. Look, we, we believe that was, you know, one of a number of reasons which played a part in it. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the pitches where we train, certainly in the winter months, of a certain softness, um, not mm. particularly bad surfaces, but the actual softness. And then when you play at West Brom away on the weekend and it's like a car park and the players are going from soft, soft, yeah. soft, Hard, mm. hard, hard, back to soft, yeah. soft, soft. And you know, that has to play its part. That's why, you know, mm. the best teams in the world and the best facilities match what the, they play on the weekend. Um, mm, that's yeah. the science and the logic behind it of the medical professions or the medical yeah. professionals. So there is definitely something within that. Now, we've not had, been able to do the, the work we wanted this time round, but we've certainly done it to the stadium pitch. Um, mm. But next, next season, at the end of next season, there's work planned for the training pitches in terms of the drainage. Um, I don't know if anyone's been to our training ground. It's on a bit of a slope as well. Um, so, you know, you know, the lopsided nature of some of our players would suggest we pick up more injuries. So we, mm. we have thought about everything. We, we've thought about turning our pitches around to face the other way at the training pitch. Um, we're trying to spend more time at the potentially stadium because that pitch will be a better surface for us to train on and more durable. Um, yeah. But then there's other factors in terms of recruitment previously. Um, the strength mm. programmes, the way pre-season went, the injuries players had going into the season and yeah. also the congested nature of the fixture list. So, and maybe yeah. a bit of luck as well. Um, who knows? Yeah. One thing we're trying to do as a club now is just to negate each one of those sections we speak about and to, to lessen the risk involved. We'll still get injuries next season. I hate to say it. We'll still get injuries next season. We'll still get injuries in this centre-half department next season. Um, just hopefully not to the same level where I'm contemplating coming out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the World Cup break, um, I've got a brief because it's never happened before. Did you enjoy it? It's a four-week break in the middle of the season. Ignoring the fixture congestion, I suppose. Was it nice to have that break in the middle? Um it should have been nicer. Um, we had the first week off. Um, we went to Cyprus, which was a disaster. Um, okay. The logistics involved in that was an absolute... Um, oh, it was a disaster. I can't describe it any other way. Um, <laughs> it was a real shame. Um, yeah, that was a pre-booked trip before mm. I came to the football club. And yeah. I think whoever booked it and the people in place at the time had expected better facilities than what we found. Um, okay. They wanted walking out onto a pitch, which was... It wasn't even a park pitch. It was unsafe for us to go on to. Um, so we had to almost cancel the first couple of training sessions and phone up the local team, which was Pathos FC. Um, we had a contact to get us a, a phone number for Henningberg, um, ex-United player who was oh, wow. at Pathos. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't allow us to use their grass pitches because they were in the middle of their season, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. But they did have a 3G. Um, and we were able to then use their 3G in around when their academy trains. 
So we went all the way to Cyprus to train on a 3G when half our squad couldn't train on a 3G anyway with the physical and the injuries they'd got. Mm. And in the hottest days of when it was, um, it was a real shame. We didn't get what we wanted out of that trip, I'm afraid. And then that kind of had a knock-on effect in terms of the next two weeks of preparation going into what was then a poor run of fixtures for ourselves. So I probably learned a lot more in relation to to those couple of weeks. Um, we needed a break, but actually it probably came at the worst time because we'd just beaten Sheffield United and, and drawn at Luton on the back of a, a good yeah. performance against Norwich and Burnley the week previously. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were no real, not really stronger when we did come back. We had so many injuries we were expecting to be fit and fully available when we came back after the break. Yeah. That didn't really materialise in the way we expected it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the post-World Cup period up, up until the Blackburn game, which I'll talk about in a minute. Do you think that was part of it? You know, the, the break just didn't go as you planned and then it like, had a knock-on effect to the what, West Brom, Bristol City and a few other, few other games? Yeah. But then even that, you know, the momentum going into that game against Bristol City... And all mm. of a sudden, we had a, a really poor defensive display in that game. Mm. Um, it knocked the stuffing out of us. Uh, we lost a little bit of belief and confidence straight away. And then the moment you lose one game in a championship, you're probably away from home in the next one against a good opposition. Um, and the way the bodies were along the side, a little bit mentality. I spent probably the best part of five or six weeks watching a team I didn't really like in that period. Um, mm. And I was manager, so I was part of that and responsible <laughs> for it. Um, but I did not like what I was seeing. Um, and I think a lot of people were struggling with what was to come in January. We spoke about trust and being scared mm. of a new manager. A lot of people, um, understandably so, were, were worried about what's next. And you go to one or two ways, a bit of self-preservation, um, a little bit of lack of belief in terms of your position within the group and the dynamics of it. And our performances were poor. Um, we, we might, can say we played against good teams and it was championship level, but we went on a really poor run. Um, I think about a Boxing Day game against Stoke where we performed relatively well, but only took a point. Um, there were mm. some poor performances in there. Um, New Year's Day at Millwall and then going to Ipswich. Um, I was at the point there where it was clear and clear what I wanted to do and needed to do um, to get the club functioning again or get the team functioning again. Um, and we had to make some strong decisions in that time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And then came the Blackburn game. We put, it was, a couple of signs came in, to be fair. Yelda came in before then and... Morrison came in, didn't he? John Morrison came in. I think John Morrison made his debut. And just talking about that game, because within a minute, Adolphin scores that stunner. And it just felt like this weight had been lifted off the entire stadium and there was just that freedom. And we were sensational in that game. It was so good. Yeah. And that was, you know, 30 seconds into that game. Um, in each of the games previously, we mm. generally conceded early. And yeah. any belief we had going into that game just got whacked out of us straight away. Um, individual mistakes or, or team aspects, whatever reason, we we just couldn't buy a, a clean sheet for long enough to get us in the game or even a goal um, mm. to, to get us ahead and feeling good about ourselves. We know that this team functions a lot better when it feels good about themselves. Um, we've really struggled, first half of the season especially, we really struggled when we went behind. We barely equalised, I think, possibly Hull and maybe one other game in the first half of the season where we were able to equalise at Championship Football. Now, we improved that stat in the second half of the season, but that came down to belief um, mm. and the quality of the group on the pitch. But all of a sudden, Hack smacks one in after 30 seconds, one of his you know, mad out-of-the-box goals, <laughs> which he generally scores. Um, and then all of a sudden, everyone just took a a bit of a, a deep breath and said, yeah, we're OK here. Um, but that was helped with the introduction of Sean Morrison and Leo Helger, some some fresh faces who weren't scarred from the previous 
six mm. games or so. Um, mm. And then the belief came and we had a bit of luck in the first half in that game. I think Victor made a, a good save and then Ollie's goal goes in off the crossbar. Um, Shane Ferguson scores a direct corner. And then, you know, all of a sudden we beat Blackburn, who are on this incredible run and a top, top team. We beat mm. them 4-0. Um, and that was then a pattern of what our home form could be from then until the end of the season. Mm. Mm. That Blackburn yeah. game was brilliant. I think I just you talk about you talk about issues with belief and 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 the like. And Sorry. this might be a really a really basic question on a, on me misunderstanding personalities. But Paul Warren and yourself have both talked about the personalities of, of players and, and the good human being side of of players and creating that culture where it's it's almost like a family. You know, are those types of personality more susceptible? to sort of losing belief, losing confidence when things don't go their way? I don't know. Possibly. Um, but we also have to reckon in what's happened with Rotherham in the past. Um, mm. And it's almost yeah. that doomsday scenario, not us again. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's happening again. It's, it's starting to creep towards the inevitable. Um, so people have been involved in that in the past and, and, mm. and been present. It's so hard to turn around um, Form at championship level, you've got to make sure you, you don't lose two on the bounce or because it turns into three and so on and so forth. And just the way you feel about yourselves going into the games and, and the margins are so, so, so fine. Um, and, and I learned so much about the group in that period. Um, I, I learned who I could trust, who I couldn't trust, um, who I believed in, who was actually good enough to get themselves out of it. Um, mm. You can only say so much as a manager because you know you, you get them built up and puffed up and chests out and going onto the pitch, and then the game tells you the truth. The game never lies. The game tells you straight away, are you good enough physically, mentally, or is your game good enough? It tells you straight away. And if your game's not quite good enough, oh, you're in a really difficult position. And certainly in that period, I felt the majority of our group who were out on that pitch weren't quite at the level we needed to be. Um, and I'm, I was part of that because I'm, I'm, I'm always responsible, so I was a manager. Um, but it also made it a little bit clear in terms of what type of profile we needed to bring in in January. Yeah, and you learn more about people when times are bad than when yeah. times are good. Like, yeah, far more, don't you? Absolutely. Um, you, 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 I've learned so much about that that group of players, and that will be the, the six week period which I always look back on and refer to because I know we'll have a period next season, um, mm. hopefully not as long, where it's difficult. <laughs> um, and and that, I'm comfortable with that, um, and we'll be better prepared. I'll be better prepared for it. Um, and mm. when it does happen, we'll be able to address a certain aspect. But it still comes down to, is that team good enough to win that next game? Um, mm. Is that team good enough to stay level in that next game for long enough to feel competitive? Um, and there were some incredible moments in that, in that six-week period during those games where you just think, how has that moment gone against us? But it kept on happening. <laughs> it yeah. kept on happening. Um, and I just saw the belief and confidence just drain out of that, that group of players. Mm. Uh, Danny, did you have a question? Um, no, I was just commenting about uh, the Blackburn game, um, about how I'd only just got in my seat and then Hack scored and I was straight back out of it again. <laughs> well, one thing people have to remember about a Blackburn game, I need that, I'm not, never make Blackburn game, I'm never making excuses. That was the first time we had Chio and Shane available mm. and fit. Yeah. And the first mm. time I was able to play a back four. Um, yeah. And there was so many times <laughs> throughout my time from when I first came to that Blackburn game where we tried to go to a black four, it didn't work because we didn't have the personnel ahead of it. Um, and we put in you know, position, players in positions which don't really fit. Now, all of a sudden, we had Chio, uh, then we had Connor centre forward that game, and Shane Ferguson fit and available. And there's your, your front three. Um, and our mm. midfield three was suited with a, a Rathbone, a Dauphin and Barlays. And that, all of a sudden, is a solid team moving forward with a solid back four 
behind them. So, you know, having people available at the same time was something which we weren't able to do really until the second half of the season. And that gave us a bit more of a flexibility that we could change formation dependent on opposition or in games. Um, I'd still like Shane available for more throughout the the whole season because he's a such a versatile player, you know, Chio to a certain extent. But we were really hampered to start with where we had this structure system. We, we couldn't change it despite how poor we were performing. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, hindsight's an incredible thing. We, we could have just put someone out on the right or left-hand side and just said, you're a right-back, play there for me. I know, I know you're a centre midfielder, play there. Um, but even that sometimes doesn't work the way you, you expect it to. Um, just just as a bit of a off question to that. So, uh, I don't know about all the other fans, but I'm really interested to see what... Because whenever a manager comes in, you know, players come and go, but manager is is, is steadfast for the club. Um, so the amount of time that you're going to be at Rotherham, it is going to be your philosophy. Um, and bearing in mind that you've not quite had your own squad yet, um, I'm really intrigued to see what your actual philosophy is. Is it a back four, back three? Is it, you know, is it mentality-wise? Is it, you know, tactics-wise? You know, you don't have to give too much away, but just a kind of brief overview of it. it was, no, um, look, it's, it's, it's a really good question. Um, and, and I don't think you'll ever see it. Um, and I won't be able to put it on the pitch at Rotherham because I have inherited a certain group of players we, we've recruited in January um, to with needs must. And now I'm forming a team around the ones which we've got on site and we, we trust as championship players. Of course, there'll be certain styles within that which I believe in. Um, but I've got no set formation which I want to implement straight away. I want to get the best out of Cam Humphries. I want to get the best out of Ollie Rathbone and Jordan Hugel. You know, mm. I, I want to build a team around the likes of those because they've shown they can do it throughout the course of a, a championship season. Um, mm. And those are the ones where, dependent on what suits them, I'll fit a team around that. I had that at Exeter for four years and people say you must have been able to get your players you wanted in at Exeter. Unless you are the best club in the world with the most amount of money, you'll yeah. never get exactly what you want for your perfect philosophy. And even Guardiola took a bit of time to get his players in before yeah. he could implement it. So, unfortunately, you'll never quite get to see that. And I might never be able to get to show that as a manager, but we'll certainly mm. be working towards what it looks like. Um, and it won't be too dissimilar to what you saw this season. Football is yeah. a really simple game. Um, not for me to complicate it in any way whatsoever. You know, mm. I've got a big belief that our home form throughout the course of last season was strong on the way we played. Um, we have to improve our, our away form drastically. And we have to maintain the control of the ball for a little bit longer in all periods of the game. Um, yeah. Because we can't be a team who just exerts so much energy chasing the opposition and trying to defend. And then when we do win it back, not being able to use it. Um, so getting the balance right will be, will be absolutely key. But um, as with any time I've done in the off-season, you, you build around what you've got. And the core is the core I've probably mentioned already to a certain extent. And you yeah. build around what suits them. Yeah. Um, can I just, sorry, I feel like I'm really taking over here. But um, <laughs> in regards to, you know, this actual tr transfer, you know, whatever um, process, um, when you look at the likes of Brentford and Brighton, you know, they pluck players from anywhere. Obviously, they can because they're Premier League. They're a bit more... Um, uh, attractive for, for players but have you and Rob ever looked at that uh, Rob Scott um, ever looked at that as a regard to you know statistically we want players who are going to run this much um, do the, is that is that the kind of process that you guys go through and then it's an eye test kind of yeah um, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of everything you've mentioned um, the coach's yeah. eye as always um, stats how, how far they run how fast they run how many games they played um, mm. where they're coming from so where they fitted into a team previously um, and ultimately how they contribute um, 
It's, like I said, it's a simple game. You need big contributors on the football pitch. I think we've yeah. mentioned already, you know, bar Victor and Cam, how many people can we talk about from our league campaign last season who contributed in a big way? Um, Set-piece yeah. goals, goals, assists, Dan Barlaze is our, our biggest creator. He went in January. Um, yeah. So, to, to understand who the big contributors, which contribution turns into points ultimately. Um, mm-hmm. So, we are we're scanning, you know, Europe far and wide, but we also understand that we need a little bit of championship know-how within the group, something we try to do in and around the, the January period. Um, and then that will allow us to be more creative with some younger talent to come through, and maybe some more risky ones or higher-risk players from in, in Europe. Um, but ultimately, getting the, the core of the, the team nailed down first and foremost um, yeah. and getting the right partnerships amongst that is something we're aiming to do. Um, it didn't happen overnight for Brighton. It didn't happen overnight for, no, for Brentford. Um, yeah. But I can guarantee those two clubs, you're right to mention them, because they had a clear plan. And mm-hmm. that's something I've tried to bring to this football club. Is a clear plan. Um, and if it, if it fails, at least you, you look back on your plan to say that's why it went wrong, as yeah. opposed to being a bit sporadic and signing. Oh, he, he's, he's available. We'll sign him. He played well against us. We, we'll sign him. Um, mm. And just picking certain players. That, and then sometimes you put them together. It, it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Um, mm. we, we've got to have a plan of a, a player profile that we are trying to bring to this football club, which we are working towards. Yeah. Um, sure just to move forward slightly, Matt, have you worn your shirt yet that we gave you? I've got to ask you, Hawaiian <laughs> shirt. <laughs> you face I've, I've, not chance, <laughs> I've not had a chance to wear it properly. I, I thought about taking it to Barcelona, but I thought it'd be the, you know, the most <laughs> arrogant thing I've ever done to wear a shirt with my face on it. Um, I was going to ask one of my mates to wear it, but they refused to wear it. So um, I've not worn it as yet. I was looking out for you guys at the Wigan game. Um, you know, it, was, it was a shame because there were so many yellow shirts with our away shirts in the yeah. away end. Fantastic. I couldn't quite pick anyone out. Um, yeah. Plus, there was some mad fancy dress outfits across the board. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I, I will wear it at some stage. Um, maybe a fancy dress party um, where I can get unbelievably drunk and get a big sombrero hat and bits and pieces um i'll wear it at some stage but i am grateful for that i've never been i've been given a lot of things in my career um but never been given a, a shirt with my face on it. wasn't yeah. quite the uh, end of season do attire then was it oh maybe next year if we stay up next year i'll wear it if we get more than 50 points next year that's, that's 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 verbal contract then now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, i was hoping to see it when um you have the pre-season camp in Spain. I was hoping to see it there. <laughs> Business in pre-season, isn't it? It's all serious stuff in pre-season. Yeah. Uh, a couple of games I want to talk about. We can't go anywhere about mentioning the Cardiff game. The first Cardiff game. Well, the third, second, the middle one. The, one the middle one. <laughs> yeah. Um, as a fan, that was just, I've never experienced anything like it. I imagine for you, you went in at half-time and everything was sunny and lovely. And then you came out and there was suddenly a lake where the pitch was. Well, <laughs> I think the, the weather reflected how I was feeling. Um, <laughs> we, were, we were awful in that first half. And I mean mm. awful. Um, I'd made one substitute after half an hour. Um, mm. I'd made two mm. more at half-time. Um, but that all got put to one side when we came back out. And from out of nowhere, um, the firemen on the roof, had, you know, <laughs> the monsoon came. And all of a sudden, the pitch was underwater. And... When it wasn't expected, because at no stage at any point in the week, build up or the day, and anyone said, Oh, it's going to rain, it's probably going to rain heavily. Mm. You know, it was just a, such a shock, and the pitch just couldn't take it. And 
you know, the fact that we were playing poorly and we were one nil down emphasised Cardiff's situation, which I totally understand and accept. But that pitch was never ever going to be playable for the next three days, let alone the next three hours. And then it got to a a scenario where we were trying to wait for as long as we could, and it got to forty five minutes, closer to an hour, and the players had been sat around, and. Mm. Both, you know, both sets of players and management were like, they can't go back out because they'll get injured again. Our players get injured training, let alone sat around <laughs> after minutes of football. So um, the right decision was ultimately made. Obviously, a lot was made of it because of the, the, the relegation battle, which both teams mm. were in. Um, but that was such a strange course of events. I mean, I, I was just trying to concentrate on what made us play so poorly in that, that first mm. half uh, and get my head around, around that. Um, I'm making sure that didn't happen again. Yeah, it was crazy. No, hopefully, never see anything like it again because it was just yeah, insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had fun on the post. Yeah, so it was hours of fun, didn't it? <laughs> we, we, did, we did a podcast that was longer than the game. Just <laughs> 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 an hour out of it. Um, yeah, and the Middlesbrough game. Let's talk about the Middlesbrough game because that was a special day for the club. It was it was the stopping of the yo 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 was finally broken. Um, how much was that talked about internally in the dressing room? Was was that something that you allowed the players to sort of think about or use as motivation or was it just sort of concentrate on the now? Um, no, look, we, we spoke about it a lot, especially after the Cardiff game. We had a bit of a break mm. um, going into, I think it was the Hull game, um, mm. where we were able to realign our thought process because that was the first time that Cardiff first half in the game, which called off, the first time I sensed the... The nerves on the pitch and in the stand, mm. and the anxiety in the performance. Um, we were shaky beyond belief in that game, and we'd lost all thought processes, and, and we'd lost control of ourselves, let alone mm. the game. Um, so from that point on, um, we made a big emphasis on concentrating on a block of nine games and understanding what those nine games would look like and what we needed from those nine games, and we formulated a plan. And every single meeting we had. I had referred to what's happened in the past, which is why if we don't start well, there'll be a little bit of anxiety in the stadium. We have to put that to one side. If the opposition are on top, no problem whatsoever. Believe that we're good enough to get back into the game and just mm. believe in the process of those last nine games. Um, unfortunately, we got the 10 points we needed from those those nine games and we actually should have been safe before the Middlesbrough game because the Cardiff game in the last minute and the Bristol City game in the last mm. minute um, we should have had more points before that, um, but it's never straightforward, and I wouldn't expect anything else for a club like ourselves. And the fact that we actually did it um, with a game to spare was testament to how hard we'd worked and how, how well we'd actually performed. Probably since that Blackburn game on um, a twenty-game period, I think our, we got twenty-three points in that that period. Mm-hmm. Um, you equate that over the course of the season, then you you get well over the fifty-point mark. So you know, every twenty games, if you're getting twenty-three points, then you you pretty much where you need to be in terms of championship survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, we took an hour of your time. We'll, we'll, we'll be very quick as we can. I just want to make no, mention. Duffin, no problem, mate. Adolphin scored the scored the winning goal, and I think that as we as fans have given Adolphin a lot of lot of credit and a lot of praise just for his mindset. You know, last season we saw him a little bit, and what we saw we liked as fans when he didn't play, and then it started this season. He obviously didn't get in the team, and then he sort of burst onto the scene. I think against Stoke he started, I think, and was brilliant in that first half against Stoke. It was brilliant. Even though we, we you know, we, we were a tough game that Stoke game, but he was brilliant, um, yeah, and he just looks a man reborn. He just looks, he, he does. I suppose there's so much praise for sticking with it. Yeah, and and we, we spoke about what I learned in those six weeks. Um, mm. Your know, hacks is an example of what a type of football you want to work with, um, mm. whether they're selected on the pitch, even in the squad. Um, 
No, they, they just, he just doesn't change. Um, he mm. trains properly every single day. He wants to get better now. He'll be first to admit he's not the most skillful player in the world, but there was a athleticism and a size which I could see working. Um, mm. He's outstanding in both boxes. Now, not at any stage going into the Blackburn game in the second half of the season did I expect him to score three or four goals from outside the box. Um, but that was something he added to the game on the fact that he was on the pitch and feeling good about his own game with a really mm. simple approach. And, you know, it's full credit to him because... He could easily have down tools at any stage, um, like other people did in terms of, oh, I'm not in the team, the manager's not having me. Even last season where, you know, you'd expect him to be good enough to play at League One, he didn't feature um, and first half of the season. But there was something in his game which I thought could benefit the, the team. Um, and I'm not saying I've improved right in any way, but what he's done is proved that his attitude and endeavour and his commitment to the club and to himself has been proved right in terms of his own performances and accolades. And I was so, so pleased that he, he scored that goal against Middlesbrough. And, you know, he, in terms of what means more than anything else, seeing his, his, his family on the pitch at the end of the game and seeing his emotion um, and his mum saying thank you. She should never be thanking me. She should be saying it to her son. Uh, it was him who, who's done it all. Um, but that was a real moment for him, which he fully deserved. Mm. Mm. Yeah, as soon as he pulled his foot back, which we, we, we I, I was, I was up. I knew it was going in. As soon as it, before he even made contact with it, he just, he just comes up with these goals. I, he, he, he scored two against Doncaster last season in that cup. In that cup, um, I think at least one. Yeah, mm. and they're, they're all screamers. They're all absolute screamers, and he, right, he, just, he, he just knew it was going in. He, he hits the ball cleanly, um, and he practices mm. it. Um, when he's last in from the training pitch, he's, he's shooting against no goalkeeper, just shifting out his feet. And Hax is a player where if he's feeling comfortable about his game, he gets his shoulder and head over the ball. And then it mm. goes down as opposed to up and over and wide. Mm. But he always gets chances. He, always, he mm. gets a chance every single game, even you know yeah. the away games where we didn't perform. A chance will fall to Hax. And that's something where I can't coach. That's a natural mm. ability yeah. to be where the ball's going to land. Um, mm. On top of the threat he is from set pieces. So... You know, that was a really good story for us. And that meant as much as the recognition he got for being a good person in the community as well, um, yeah. which is as equally as important that we yeah. know what we are as a football club and the players understand that um, that is so, so important, the role we play in society, let alone within our own fan base and, and town, the role we play in society as good role models and good people. Mm-hmm. Um, when survival's confirmed, how long did you are you allowed to celebrate for before you start thinking about the transfers <laughs> and contract situations? Did you get an hour or a few days? How long did you allow yourself no, to it was, no, it, it, that, that week, you know, the, the next two weeks were, were surreal because mm. I was dying to celebrate. I was dying mm. to just release everything that had been inside me for so, so long. But I, I let everyone else do that. I had to stay the professional one. Um, <laughs> People will say boring, miserable, but I had to do that because I wanted to be professional going into the last game of the season. Um, mm. I also wanted to start the processes of the meetings I had with the players and staff um, straight after that game because it was clear in my mind what I wanted to do. And you know, the quicker we could start that, the better for, for everyone involved. So that started pretty much straight away. And I, look, I went for a meal with the family after the game. Um, and that was my way of, of celebrating. But mm. at no point until well after the Wigan game and the week after could I really switch off in terms of work-related stuff. Um, and I suppose, you know, people have a better time when a manager's not there. Um, they can <laughs> really relax a little bit more, let their hair down. We had, you know, the players obviously went out on the Monday, some I think on the Tuesday. Um, some of the staff were out. Um, we, we trained on the Thursday. We had the end of the season presentation 
on the Friday, which was a really positive night for the football club because I think previously each and every presentation evening, as successful as they have been, there's still been something to play for mm. to come. Um, mm-hmm. So you can't let your hair down and enjoy it. So that was as important for the staff and everyone associated with the club as much as the players to celebrate that together. We actually had a bit of a family day at the stadium on the Saturday, mm-hmm. um, something I wanted to do for this group of players um, where I could just you know see what they're like in their own clothes, with mm-hmm. their families, with their little ones on the pitch. You know, football pitch is a fantastic place to get families to congregate because kids mm-hmm. just run around with a bouncy yeah. castle, um, bits and pieces, a bit of a barbecue. Um, and we invited some staff as well. So they did that on the Saturday. That was a really enjoyable moment. Um, and then Sunday it was focusing on getting 11 fit players on the pitch for, for Wigan um, <laughs> and trying to put in a competitive team at Wigan. And, and that was a, a strange game to go into, but I still wanted to be successful. I still wanted to finish more than six points or six points plus goal difference, better off than Reading. And above other teams, you know, the QPRs and Cardiff of the world. Um, mm. So it was important we got to that 50-point mark and then mm. the, the meetings continued. And then probably on the flight out to, to Boston with my wife, I, I could just relax a little bit um, <laughs> and think about other things. Yeah. But I certainly um, celebrated in Barcelona, believe me. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Um, end of season, we'll talk about, briefly talk about the contract people. How difficult are the end-of-season talks? Because... You're going to tell some people, look, you know, this is the end of the road for us, or you know, we want you to stay out. I imagine some of those conversations are really difficult to have. Oh, brutal, brutal. Um, but I, I do that because I'm the manager, um, mm. and the manager has to take that responsibility. Um, and I, I try and look them in the eye, try and tell them face to face. I try and give the justification of it. No matter what you say, it doesn't make it any easier. I've been released as a player. I've been told that I'm on free transfer as a player. I've been tried to get, get out of the club as a player. So I've sat there. Um, but it's, it, you're trying to do it for the right reasons. It, it's, it's never, it feels personal, and it certainly feels personal for the players in question, but it's never personal. It's just where I see their games um, and where I see their contribution in relation to, 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 to what the squad needs moving forward. Um, they are so, so difficult, but they are a needs must to then get to where you want to be at the start of next season. And there'll be some you get right and some you get wrong, um, but you have to believe what you are doing decision-wise is right. Mm. I imagine people have, if this is a fan question, uh, one of the most potentially difficult ones, Richard Wood, leaving the club after nine years. He's been incredible for this football club. What he's done for this football club will never, ever be forgotten. Did it just feel like the right time for maybe both parties that we should sort of end the relationship as it is at the moment? Yeah, and I think Woody knew where I was with, with his game earlier on in the season. Um, I think he could probably sense that in terms of selection and, and the way the team was going and, and the way the team was evolving. Um, mm. But also the... The understanding of what he'd done previously for the football club, and he wants to keep on playing. Um, yeah. So, in terms of a playing capacity, you know, it, it was what was next for, for himself. Um, if he had been retiring at that point, then I'm sure the club could have come to mm. some sort of agreement or arrangement in terms of a position at the club for, for him. So, you know, he, he's going to keep on playing. He's, he's obviously signed at Doncaster, and you know, the best of luck to him and, and to Doncaster in relation to that because yeah. he's still got something to give the game in a playing capacity. Um, so it's it's everyone's different in terms of their own situations. Um, mm. But that was another one which couldn't be personal in terms of what's happened previously too much that had to be a decision in relation to what was next and, and what was needed for championship level next season. Um, but what a, an incredible servant for, for the football mm. club um, and someone who's been through the good and the bad and the indifferent. <laughs> um, but his contribution, when we speak about contributors, his contribution, mm. the reason why he's so fondly 
thought of is because his contributions generally have been of a certain level, which made a big difference in big moments. And I've won games and championships and cup finals, except from promotions. Um, those are the big contributors that we need to now recruit. And we're never going to replace Woody. <laughs> we're never going to do that. Um, but we have to find a way of just keep on increasing the levels within the squad. Mm. And another sort of fan question is that, are you happy with where we are in terms of the summer? We're only at the end of May, so transfer has not really got into the gear for anybody. I don't think signed anybody. But are you sort of happy as where the club are, as happy as you can be, that we are in a position to be, again, competitive in where we, what we want to achieve next year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the league standing or who's in our league was only fully decided yesterday. Yeah, um, and I'm sure you've all looked at it and thought, wow. Um, what a league to be involved yeah. in stronger than it's been this season um, doesn't look like there's any weak links whatsoever um, three monstrous clubs coming down from the Premier League Ipswich Chef Wednesday monstrous clubs from, from League One and Plymouth who are really producing and on their way up so what a league to be involved in um, but I'm comfortable that we, we can compete um, and you know since day one of me coming to this football club the chairman's been absolutely excellent and, and the, the board and himself have, have just continued to back and understand and I think listen to anything I say in terms of justification I know I'll I'll drive him mad with I'm quite a demanding manager in terms of wanting to improve it and, and do it in a, a certain time frame um, but he, he's been backing that and he's been fully behind it so we're in a strong position to you know get the, the group in a, in a better position to be prepared for next season um, but we still understand what we are in that level mm-hmm. and, and that league um, and people will look at us and put us in a certain position um, we don't do that we just make sure we get the best out of ourselves and if that's good enough for championship status next season then then so be it um, but that's certainly our aim expectation and um, one thing that the, the, the recruitment team are, are certainly understanding of is that we are looking for a certain profile of player and, and we've got a plan to work to and we'll continue to do that but unfortunately we've not got five signings straight away because that's not realistic for for what we are um, but we're certainly in a position to be in front of these people who maybe we've not been in front of in the past mm. yeah absolutely um did you enjoy the playoffs we can sit back and, as a fan i just sat back and watched it and i felt devastated for all these teams that failed but it's just Football, it would just be beautiful moments, aren't they? The two, except Wednesday going up, we don't like that. But right, it's, it's, it's the playoffs, um, <laughs> and people will say, Why did they have them? And yeah, you know, the, the leagues have them because of the financial benefit of them, um, and it keeps the leagues interesting from fourth to seventh or yeah. to, 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 to second, or to, whatever it is, it keeps the leagues interesting right until the end and then beyond the season. Um, I've been involved in the playoffs as a player, um, as a coach, as a manager. I got beat at Wembley. That was my darkest day in, in, in mm. football. Nothing will ever come close to what I felt that day. Um, I was probably lucky there was no one there to witness it because it was in the middle of the COVID no, pandemic. Right, yeah. um, but when you win, it is the best way to get promoted. Everyone says that. Um, you're on mm. such, an, such a high. But mm. when you lose, oh, to recover from that is, is, is a difficult task and, and takes a little bit of time. So, you know, you, you, your heart almost goes out for the Barnsleys of the world and the mm. ones who are beaten in difficult circumstances. One mm. thing I would say, I don't think any of the finals in the playoffs were good spectacles. Um, <laughs> even you were watching Luton and Coventry, you're thinking, I thought they were a better team when they played us. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just the pressure of the occasion. And, and yeah. um, you know, you're thinking, if they look like that, what do we look like? Um, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's incredible to witness, but you have to understand it. And the stakes mm. are so, so high. How can you really play your better better games in those situations? Um, uh, it's, it's, it's the brutality of English football, but like we spoke about why we love the Championship, the playoffs are part of it. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm sure that will continue. 
They're the only games you can watch and think this is a rubbish game, but I'm still so engaged yes. in it. It's still <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that. Um, but lads, is there anything else you want to ask Matt before we let him let him leave? It's been you know a while. Yeah, I think we'll leave him. With his <laughs> so much of your time. Yeah. I have one question. I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> what What are your thoughts on the tagline "Teams like Rotherham"? <laughs> Good question. Well, it depends if, if I'm using it. Then um, it depends who's using it. But it, look, it seems like Robert. I mean, look, I've been frustrated with the the tagline. It, is, it always happens to us: um, injuries, yeah. officiating, look, um, the way the fixture. I hate that line. We have to change that 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 mentality within the club. That it always happens to to Robert, whether it's that little own Robert or you know. The, the smaller, t- I don't care about that. It can't keep on happening. That's that's my responsibility to change that. And you guys will play a part as fans as well. Um, but we also have to, you know, have a little bit of a, a dreaming factor in us and a little bit of a belief where our glass is now half full as opposed to, to half empty. And for the first time, we've retained our status at championship level. And let's look to progress from that point on. Um, like I say, I, I'm not scared of losing. I'm, I'm scared of failure. And I know what failure is for me personally. And that might be different to the club and to fans. That, that's absolutely fine. Um, but we'll be giving it a good go. Um, we are Northerners and you are Yorkshire people. I'm a Lancastrian. Um, we say that quietly. But you know, <laughs> we, we, we're, we're tough and we try and get in people's faces. And we mm. put our best foot, foot forward. And we, we've got a little bit of... Well, and then we'll, we'll take on this battle regardless. Um, if the opponent is bigger and stronger and better equipped, no problem. I'll still back myself to to knock him out. It's it's one of that you know a big aspect which has to go through the club, and we have to understand that when those times are difficult. And you know, as much as I learned about the, the the players during that difficult period of the six weeks, and then the fans as well, um, that's where we've just got to keep on reuniting in terms of the the greater good and what the end goal is is and may well be and dream that it can be improved on what we've done in the past. And that is a, an incredible thing for Rotherham because, you know, I, I'm new to this football club, but I played at Don Valley Stadium. Um, I didn't play at your, your, your old ground. Um, I played at Don Valley Stadium. I played at New Year's Stadium. Um, I know where you've been. Um, mm-hmm. And I've, I've been there myself with different clubs, but your journey is unique to yourself. And now it's mm-hmm. my journey because I'm part of it. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes you just have to remember a little bit about those really difficult days and what the chairman and the club have done since then and say, wow, look at the 23 teams we're going to play next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, hey, we're going to lose games of football and there's going to be times we're going to play absolutely crap and people are going to think, I don't know what I'm doing. But we're going to stick together and do it with a little bit of a, a smile on our faces. Thank you, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we, we enjoyed doing it. Thank you very much to Matt Taylor for letting us in on how the club works and his style and things such as that. It's very much appreciated, and I'm sure you listening have enjoyed it as well. Thank you to Mick, Danny, Tom, who helped myself, Matt, uh, create this episode and ask the questions to Matt. Please do subscribe on iTunes and Spotify if you are listening on there. And if you haven't already, please do give us a five-star rating. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome. We'll be back in, as and when the summer progresses with signings and contracts and any news that we can find over the summer. And also subscribe on YouTube. And if you go into there, we'll put plenty of content throughout the summer, hopefully over the summer. Uh, to keep your Rotherham United fix up and going. Thank you very much for listening, everybody, and up the Millers.
paydays are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.